You are listening to the Otherworldly Oracle official podcast, a Burning Hallows production. I am your otherworldly host, Kitty Fields. Alora is out on recovery this week, and so I'm flying my broom solo this evening. But before we turn into pumpkins, here's a quick update from our girl. Hey, oracles. I miss all of you already. And I just wanted to record this little message to thank everyone for the well wishes that I've already received. The outpouring of love and care from the BHP community continues to amaze me. Just know that I am resting and recovering as fast as I can, and I'll be back as soon as I'm able to sit up comfortably and put full sentences together. I wish all of you love, magic, and happiness. Hello again, Oracles. It's Kitty. If you like what you're hearing, hit that follow or subscribe button so you'll get notifications with each weekly episode we release. We want to extend a warm invite to you to our sister podcast, Mamir's Well, where we dive deep into the more taboo topics in the witchcraft community. Support your sisters and get involved with our podcasts and projects by going to patreon.com slash burninghallows. We create and release supplemental Book of Shadows pages and infographics there, as well as bloopers and minisodes. Now on to the show. Then on the night when death comes for his victim, the witch takes a pumpkin and makes in it eyes and nose and two holes and puts in them two pods of beans with the beans in them to seem like horns. Come with me on a hayride through the pumpkin patch and we'll select the most magical gourd of them all for our Samhain rites. This will be our first episode in a new series called Magical Ingredients. And since Samhain and Halloween are approaching on swift spectral horseback, we thought it a requirement to explore why the pumpkin has become such an ubiquitous symbol of the autumn season and reveal the many ways it can be used in a witch's spells, rituals, and daily charms. So grab a pumpkin and your paring knife and settle in. What is a pumpkin? Seems like a silly question, but we're going to go into it anyway. The pumpkin, Q. curbita pepo, is a type of winter squash that is typically large, round, and ribbed, and of a distinctive orange color. Yes, I said ribbed. Get your minds out of the gutter. However, they can also be white, green, yellow, and other shades, depending on the cultivar, as there are three or four different kinds. Did you know the pumpkin itself is actually considered a pepo or basically a type of berry? That is a big berry, y'all. My favorite pumpkins I've seen this year are actually a deep blood orange shade with these like large pimple type bumps all over their skin or what I like to call witches boils. I just think they're super witchy looking. I'm also a fan of white pumpkins or what I like to call ghost gourds. The pumpkin, though popular in many places throughout the world today, is native to North America and has been cultivated since at least 7,000 BCE. That is a long time. They are used as food, decoration, and by witches as a magical ingredient. In this particular episode, I plan to dive deep into the magical uses of our favorite Halloween gourd. But first, 
Let's revisit that spell I recited in the intro to the episode. It said, then on the night when death comes for his victim, the witch takes a pumpkin and makes in it eyes and nose and two holes and puts in them two pods of beans with the beans in them to seem like horns. Say that 10 times fast. <laughs> this identifies a Tuscan spell with ancient Roman ceremonies for the pumpkin is evidently meant to represent a skull. Even in our times, the hollow pumpkin with a lamp on a pole being supposed to look like a skull with fiery eyes is well known to all rustics and Brom Bones employs it in Washington Irving's Legend of Sleepy Hollow to frighten Ichabod Crane. This means that death is frightened away by his own likeness. So among the Babylonian and Ninevite peoples, as may be read in the Chaldean magic of Lenormand, the great powers of evil among whom was death were more afraid of their own likenesses than of anything else, for which reason horrible figures were placed here and there to protect all houses. This is actually a passage that I pulled from the Etruscan Roman Remains in Popular Tradition, a book written by Charles Godfrey Leyland, who also wrote Aradia, Gospel of the Witches, in the late 1800s. So essentially, he's discussing how the pumpkin has made its way into Northern Italian witchcraft tradition. Yet we know there weren't really pumpkins present in Italy until later centuries. Therefore, if they were using this custom before, they were probably carving other vegetables and lighting other lanterns as well. Which brings us to the jack-o'-lantern. If you live in a place that celebrates Halloween, you likely have seen jack-o'-lanterns or carved them yourself. This is actually a tradition my family has done religiously every year for Halloween and one of which I carry on with my family today. I was a little surprised to find out that some folks in the United States don't carve jack-o'-lanterns every year. I just thought it was something that everybody did. Growing up in Maryland, there was always a jack-o'-lantern jack at every single door. But where did the jack-o'-lantern custom come from? Answering this question, there's going to be a two-fold answer. The act of carving faces into a vegetable originates with the Scots and Irish, but they didn't carve pumpkins in the old land. They carved root vegetables like turnips, which I hear is much more difficult than carving pumpkins. And by the way, if you have time, Google turnip jack-o'-lantern and have a change of pants at the ready because this is literally the stuff of nightmares. Later on, after the Scots-Irish immigrated to the New World, they brought their Samhain traditions with them, including the custom of carving turnips. But eventually, someone figured out that the native pumpkin was larger and actually easier to carve. So I guess we've been doing that ever since. That explains the act of carving, but what about the name jack-o'-lantern? According to the Occult World website, the term actually originates in England and is linked to a supernatural phenomenon called ignis fatus, or foolish fire, which when I looked that up, found it's an eerie spectral dancing light that sort of seduces people off of the beaten path and often to their death, which also reminded me of the Will-O-Wisp, which you might have seen in the Disney movie Brave. And so when I looked that up, I found that it's basically the same thing. In addition to the jack-o'-lantern being a spook light, the name also has a couple legends behind it and refers to a character or a man named Jack 
who made a deal with the devil. Because of this deal with the devil, he is not permitted to go to heaven or hell and is doomed to wander the earth or a sort of purgatory forever. And apparently he amuses himself by leading people to their doom with his eerie light. Iron is said to ward him off during the Halloween season. So it seems these traditions have merged and became the jack-o'-lantern custom that we still uphold today. Other magical stories with our friend the pumpkin take us to the realm of fairy tales, where we see a pumpkin being transformed into a carriage in the story of Cinderella. And of course, let's not forget the headless horseman who utilizes the orange gourd as an alternative head in the legend of Sleepy Hollow. Always one of my favorite stories growing up. Now for the magical uses of the pumpkin. So for my kitchen witches, when autumn comes, is there anyone out there other than me who becomes a little pumpkin obsessed? I'd probably turn into a pumpkin. Yes, I'm a basic witch and I don't care who knows it. September hits and I'm making all the things with pumpkin, including pumpkin pasta, pumpkin soup, pumpkin bread pudding, muffins, smoothies, oatmeal, pancakes, pies. In addition, let's not forget how delicious pumpkin spice truly is. And if you don't like it or you think I'm basic, come on through and fight me. Just kidding, of course. Pumpkin's nutritional benefits include the fact that it's loaded with beta carotene and other immunity boosters like vitamin C and E, as well as iron and folate. And the fact that it has iron makes me think this could be part of its warding abilities. I'm thinking like iron wards off the fey kind of thing. Pumpkins also have a nice amount of potassium, so eat up, witches. According to Scott Cunningham, the pumpkin is ruled by the water element and by the moon. Ooh. <laughs> As we already know, it's an ever-present symbol of autumn, particularly in North America, and has been for centuries, for decades rather. The pumpkin has a number of magical properties, including prosperity, growth, fertility, protection, particularly when it comes to warding off evil spirits, as we've been talking about, creativity, we're thinking the color orange and the sacral chakra, divination, death and the dead, shape-shifting and transformation, and of course, basically all things harvest-related. And I pulled this from the Otherworldly Oracle's website, an article on pumpkin magic, shameless plug here. Here's a few ways to use pumpkins in your witchcraft. Obviously, carving a jack-o'-lantern and placing it by your front door will ward off evil. When you carve your pumpkin this year, save the seeds. Clean, dry, and preserve them to use in spells throughout the coming year. Add those seeds to spell bags, bottles, jars, and other witchy charms for prosperity, fertility, luck, divination, all the things. They make cool rattling noises when added to shaker spell jars and rattles. And if you're lucky enough to get one or a few of the curly cues off the vine of the pumpkin itself, save and dry these and use them as poppet hair, which I've done. In addition to carving a jack-o'-lantern, you can paint symbols and spells directly onto your pumpkin. Paint an Aliyiz, Uruz, or Tiwaz rune on a pumpkin and place by the front door for protection during the Samhain season. Or paint sigils, oium symbols, hieroglyphs, and other witchy symbols as a means of spell work. Then when the Samhain season is over, or when your spell has manifested, you can bury the pumpkin in the west of your house. 
and maybe baby pumpkins might spring up from it later on. There's something about visiting a pumpkin patch that evokes strong feelings of joy. As a kid, my school always took us on field trips to the pumpkin patch in October. There was always a magic, kind of innate and unique, only to the pumpkin patch that called to us children. It's the same reason it calls to witches. If you have a local pumpkin patch, visit it and take your friends or family along for the fun. Pumpkins are a great offering for ancestors during the Samhain season. The veil is thin and the ancestors pay a visit to us during this time, as do the elementals. So why not use pumpkins as an offering to them? The harvest gods also enjoy these offerings. Pumpkins themselves can be turned into makeshift autumnal cauldrons. Hollow them out and instead of carving them, use them to hold candles, oils, etc. Or add some oil and float your candles inside. This could be a powerful spell for the Samhain season. I recommend the floating candles for that little charm, by the way. And when you're done with your jack-o'-lantern, don't throw them away. Add them to compost, leave them out in the woods for the animals to feed on. And something I've been seeing going around is that some people will spray the pumpkin with bleach to try to preserve it if you live like in a warmer climate. We're suggesting not to do this, to use a vinegar concoction instead, or basically just keep it inside of your house by the front door where it's cool until you're ready to bring it out and light it on the big night. This way, when it's biodegrading, either in the woods or even at the dump, the bleach won't hurt the earth or the wildlife or even the insects that might feed off of it. Well, that's going to bake the pumpkin pie for tonight. I hope you enjoyed this solo episode with me, Kitty, and please continue sending your positive vibes Alora's way. We miss you already, sister. Join us again next week for another exciting episode. And remember, whether you're in the land of the Fae or the land of the ancestors, stay otherworldly.